Come on in, sit down, grab a beer, and get comfy for yet another Beer Napkins podcast. We hope you'll find the next 30 minutes or so enjoyable, educational, and inspirational. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check our web, our site at beerandnapkins.com, all one word, and use the word and, and not the symbol. And you can also find us on Twitter at Beer and Napkins, again, all one word. Beer and Napkins helps generate new ideas and new initiatives by leveraging informal third spaces, community-enabled design, and visual thinking. Now off we go. A big round of applause for our hosts. Good evening, Paul. How's it going? It's going great. Wonderful to be back on another Beer and Napkins podcast. Oh, great. Uh, where, are you at? where are you at this evening? I'm luckily, I'm still in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I'm not traveling this week, and it is gorgeous today. I think it was like 75, 80 degrees, low humidity, oh, sunshine. It was beautiful. Um, I, 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 we could have some rain tonight. We can't always have some rain, but uh, no, today was gorgeous. So where are you at? I am in Cleveland, and it's not as nice here. It's a little, it's a little chilly actually. Yeah. It's probably 60s and a little bit rainy and all that, but uh, could be worse. It could be could be hot, and muggy, and all that. But that's for sure. I love Cleveland. I went to last night, met some folks, uh, some Clevelandite Clevelandites here, and uh, met some really cool people. And went to this cool brewery. It's called Saucy Brew Works, and it's uh, an I saw that in the Twitter feed. Yeah, so, so we had an unofficial beer and napkins meetup in Cleveland. So really cool people, and uh, hopefully sure. we can nurture that, get some more people involved up in Cleveland town, and sure. and see sure. it rocks. So, cool. so what's what's going on with beer and napkins? You mentioned, you know, what what do, what do you got cooking? I know you got a lot on the on our plates. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of stuff given the bandwidth that we have, but yeah, we we've, we've had uh, some numbers number of VUCA sessions, which uh, VUCA stands for Volatility, Uncertainty, Complexity, Ambiguity, really just kind of nurture conversations around, you know, this whole crazy environment we live in now and the career paths and how that is very ambiguous now with AI and robotics, all these things that are emerging now and just the, the, the environment. So we're just kind of kind of building dialogue around that, which is very cool because yeah. different, different perspectives. So people from technology, uh, various walks, healthcare, just to kind of connect with everybody to kind of get a feeling. What do you do? What do where, where do we go? So we're going to continue to nurture these focus sessions. We had one this past week was focused on linking up affordable housing and transportation in our local town of Greenville. I'm so sorry. that was really great interaction. We did the whole um, rapid ideation, you know, drinking some beer, dropping some uh, sticky notes and uh, really driving some impact uh, ideas for it for uh, a local transportation uh, group and also a homeless group. So very cool linkage and very holistic view of uh, of how all that works together. So that's really cool. Did a TED talk here recently. So that's that right. was cool. And um, was, was excited about doing that. And uh, just a lot of stuff going on. We're gonna continue to really kind of build on the theme of this group uh, environment and how we all can kind of uh, address our, our perspectives of that, our careers. Things. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's what we got going on. So it's uh, busy. Yep, I, I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy year. 
but we will try to keep the cadence of this is these uh yeah. podcast we really enjoy it and uh it's a great way to knowledge share and really going to get a perspective what's going on so hopefully we can continue that uh, with some future i think the next one uh, i had a guy he's a futurist and um he said he's been willing to kind of get on. Really, would like to hear his perspective on how he manages this this, this ambiguous future and environment. What he has, what he's prognosticating for the future as well. So that would be interesting. I think. Well, as, yeah, as long as he can tell me what stocks to buy and my oh, kids to buy, so that they can be millionaires by the time they're forty. I keep hearing hemp stocks, so I don't know if that is really true, but he what hemp stocks oh yeah the, the whole stocks. cannabis world yeah that's a real big investment area um so that's a south whole maybe south, Carol south carolina doesn't have it legalized yet so uh, I'm, uh, I'm not investing in that so to speak <laughs> <laughs> i hear you i hear you the state of the beers hey um uh excited about our, our, our guest this evening uh doug yeah. shaw and Paul, I, I know that you've been friends with him quite some time, so why don't you uh, kind of give yeah. us a yeah. Doug. Good podcast coming up tonight with Doug Shaw. You'll notice he's uh, he's not from around here uh, in South Carolina. You'll notice from his accent that he's uh, across the pond. He comes, he hails out of uh, out, just outside of London, I guess is what he said. I'm not exactly sure where, where but uh, I'm hoping someday to get over and see him. But we met Doug Shaw used to be an HR consultant, and he also used to work in, I think, one of the telecommunication companies over there as the HR person, um, or as they like to say, HR. But anyway, um, we met at, at going to some um, employee engagement conferences and HR conferences, and then over time, he started, you know, practicing his artwork. He started doing art. It's something he does, not unlike you, Phil. It was a hobby, and and it's kind of pivoted him away from doing HR work to doing all of this creativity work um, and helping companies use creativity and use drawing and visual literacy and all the things we talk about at Beer and Napkins to help open up how they think about their business and give them the confidence to actually be creative. I think so often we as as grown-ups think we can't do that we can't draw we can't be creative we're not you know the, the great book by um, i think um, gordon mckenzie from hallmark that he wrote called orbiting the giant hairball he talks about uh people that uh when he's going to schools and talking to them about creativity in the first grade and kindergarten when he asks how many people in here are, are artists they all raise their hand by the time he gets to the fifth or sixth grade only two or three people do so somehow we teach people they're not creative and they're not artists. Well, Doug's doing the opposite. So I'm really looking forward to hearing him just chat up how that pivot occurred, what he's doing with some of the stuff he's got going. He's been interviewed with local TV. I'll let him tell the story when we get him on. But man, I really am looking forward to it because he's just always a, he's just a, a fun guy to hang with. Uh, and he kind of gets this whole VUCA creative, you know, one of his favorite sayings is draw for the bin, which means don't worry about it being great. Draw it and assume you're going to throw it away. And I think that's a great wow. philosophy. That whole messiness, enjoying the messiness. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So we'll, without further ado, let's uh, hear from Doug. All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Doug. I really appreciate the, the time. Cheers. 
Yeah, you, you're in a little better spot because you can actually, well, I guess we could have a drink. It is uh, one minute after noon here. So. <laughs> well, it's well, a holiday. Grab one. And it's a holiday weekend. What kind of beer are you drinking? Well, so I, I haven't popped the can yet because I thought you might appreciate the pop can noise on your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it's a, the actual name of the beer. It's called Dead Pony Club. Nice. Um, and it's a... Uh, they've this company have grown. They come from a town called Aberdeen up in Scotland, um, and they're called Brewdog, and they were very small and they kind of exploded. I think they're, they're, they're very, very big over here. And this is a kind of session IPA, so it's about 3.8%, which is not too strong. So um, I'm confident that if I do drink it, I'll still be, well, I'll be no less coherent. <laughs> well, I love it. Might be good to be that way. But at least we, I, I, you know, I was, I have one call after this today, and I even, I, I sent a note to the, the person at work. I said, really, you're going to do a late afternoon Friday call to begin with, and it's the Friday before a long weekend. I said, you know, maybe I made a bad decision hiring you. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I otherwise, I think uh, Phil and I would have been at a local pub if I didn't have that call coming up this afternoon. Oh, well. oh we love those Friday afternoon uh, meetings and things. <laughs> I don't. But. Well, I, I passed the, you know, this is, you know, the Beer and Napkins uh, podcast slash videocast now. Um, I think we'll probably end up getting a bunch of people to say, look, um, just stick with the voice. We don't need to see the image, you know, see the old story that you got a face made for radio. So, but um, Phil, I don't have an agenda. So I'm going to wow. leave it all on your shoulders. No, this is good. I, I think um, I, I listened to some of the uh, the pod, uh, the, uh, the videos that you sent, uh, Doug, and uh, there was one with Charlie Mas Mac Maxi um, uh -huh. that you sent. Uh, or advocates the messiness of the process. I, I, I love that. I love that uh, TED talk. That was uh, great. And I know you've probably talked a little bit about it. Um, we usually kind of start the meeting just to kind of share a little bit of updates on uh, beer napkins and uh, uh, we got a little bit of activity. Um, I know Paul, you've been out of town, but um, we have been doing these things called VUCA sessions. Uh, VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And so we've been getting together a group at the pub to talk about um, the future of work, uh, the craziness of uh, new emerging technologies you know career transitions things like that and and um it's it's been good i think we've been getting some context to people's concerns and understanding of that and i know doug will talk a little bit about that since that's one of your your areas of looking at work so um a lot of a lot of things a lot of people are concerned out there you know where you should go which way we should go what kind of skills should be learning so that's in our in our kind of a modus in the beer and napkin side of things. We're also going to do a community-based design um, event with um, the, Green, uh, the Greenville Homeless Alliance and our local transportation board, and looking at the linkages between affordable housing and public transportation, which should be a good, uh, a, a very good, a good uh, event to apply critical thinking, creativity, and all that. So. We're excited about that's June 10th. So 
a lot of good things going on. Uh, Paul and I are, are have full-time positions, so we're, our bandwidth is always stretched, as you can see, Friday afternoon uh, meetings. But uh, we still want to reach out and continue their creativity and and uh, really expand our very napkins network. And um, we're just really extremely excited to have Doug Shaw across the pond and uh, just uh, thankful that we are friends with him and, and really, really gleaning from your creativity. It's just really inspiring to see uh, your experimentations and your, and your outlook of life. It's just, it's just really inspiring for us back over here in the United States. And, and we're thankful for your creativity. So um, again, Paul, I think you uh, know Doug a long time. So I'll give you the chance to kind of introduce Doug with your perspective the HR community and yeah well I was gonna add I was gonna say you know Doug and I go back probably I don't know probably six or eight years almost now maybe uh, Ohio Sherm I think was was it Ohio Sherm the first time yeah I'm it could have been then or it could have been Illinois yeah, um, one of the two it could have been around about 2013 yeah so it's probably been about six years or so but we we started and that's why i was kind of interested to have this conversation with you anyways because you were at that time doing hr work i mean you were consulting in the hr space and then this mm -hmm. kind of art thing was kind of something you did on the side and it feels like and maybe you can bring me up to speed a little bit on the train on what's going on because it kind of feel like that you've really pivoted and aren't doing any hr at all and everything is now moved into the the art space so i'm kind of curious you know from you know 2013 2014 or so till today what has been that 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 uh, journey what, what's been that road look like i'm kind of curious just to bring me up to speed okay um so around about 2013 so i i there were elements small elements of artistic practice in my consulting work around that time um I had, in terms of making art, I had been, I'd embarked on a small repeatable experiment where I was just kind of sending postcards to friends. So I'd go on holiday and I'd, in, I'd, I'd, I'd invite them to receive um, a postcard, which I made. In fact, there's a, a gentleman in our network, the name of Jay Coombs. He uh, did me the honor of being the very first recipient of the very first one of these that I made. Um, and in fact, it was it was an awful piece of art. I mean, in terms of it was it was naive, um, but it was a it was a kind of really bad segue of the French flag and the American flag. I was on holiday in France at the time, and I added an extra star in the stars and stripes bit. The extra star representing our friend Jay. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, he probably hasn't got the card anymore. I don't know. But anyway, it was, it was the first thing I made for someone. Um, so. Um, in, in, in our in and around our HR network, so I, I remember that very very clearly. Um, I lost my dad in 2012, and I was um, kind of well. I think you process these kind of things forever in a day, actually. So I, I'm, I'm still processing that kind of thing. But um, there there were elements of that grief process kind of flowing through my work in some ways, and I was using my art to help process some of that but also at that time i was very much 
exploring, I guess, more, what, more, more of the kind of sort of, I guess, what what's become popularly known as the kind of sort of vulnerability sort of, you know, question set or aspect or angle. So in my consulting work, I became much more interested in kind of, you know, what what, what really makes us tick and what motivates us, what brings us joy, what are we frightened of, all those kind of things. Right. Um, and I've continued kind of down that path um, really ever since. And the, the two, the work kind of ebbs and flows. So, I mean, this week's a, a, an, an interesting example, if you like. So I started the week uh, facilitating some conversations about kind of culture change arising from a takeover from a smaller company by a much bigger one. So working with HR and learning and development people inside an organization, trying to help them process some of that stuff through a, some dialogue, basically. And then the following day, I'm talking to a major civil infrastructure firm about creative workplace consulting. So an environment where they're looking to um, help their clients move into newly designed premises and taking that opportunity to rethink what work looks like more broadly. And some of that involves some opportunities for creative practice. So encouraging people to come together and design thoughts and ideas about what does good work look and feel like. Um, so that sort of work still goes on in my f interest. Um, I don't talk about it as much, but, but it's that's still... A, maybe that's just what I'm, I'm not seeing it as much on the, on the interwebs. Maybe. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, it's a bit hackneyed, this idea, but a picture kind of paints a thousand words and all that sort of thing. So I'm more likely to share perhaps visual output on the whole. I mean, I used to blog a lot about people yep. stuff and I'm, I write much less frequently now. Um, not quite sure why, but anyway, so so it's kind of mixed up a lot. And, and, and the thing, I think in terms of the, the what, was, what was for me was a big pivot to, to borrow your term, was when I began the free art project and I started making art and hiding it in the neighborhood. Which is brilliant, I, I love that. And that, that, I mean, initially it did not, it was just an experiment, you know, and I had the, I managed to kind of keep going through the initial sort of fear and uncertainty that I had about whether anybody would be interested and all that kind of thing. But that's been going for over three years now. And, why, um, why don't you explain it real quick? I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of it, but Doug may not be, or I mean, uh, Phil may not be, and obviously the audience is. When you say you talk about the free artwork event, uh, initiative, what is that actually? Okay, so it's a very simple idea. Um, I make art and I hide it in the neighborhood for folk to find. Um, and I do it uh, at least once a week. And yeah, the project is now over three years um, duration. And, and thus far, I haven't um, skipped a beat. Um, but I, I, did it, I did it for two main reasons initially. I did it because I mentioned the loss of my father earlier on. I, was, I wanted to use the process as a way of trying to learn to get better at letting go physically and mentally. Um, and I also realized that actually I wanted to, I wanted some kind of production schedule. So I wanted to experiment more frequently with visual art. And I figured if I made a commitment to make it and hide it every week, then I would begin, that would facilitate more experimentation. So those were the two reasons initially that, that was my, those are my motivating things you know when I first started but the, but the whole project has 
connected me with the community in ways that I never thought possible. You know, I've made some really good friends. Um, it's taken me on adventures um, to meet people in kind of civic life. So, you know, the mayor, the local mayor, um, has, the borough mayor has shown an interest in the project. And as a result of that, I've been invited to do other things. You know, I've had work on show this year in two of our borough's twin towns, one in Germany and one in France. Um, so that's a real, you know, can you imagine kind of five years ago saying to me, so Doug, when's your next art exhibition? We just would have fallen about laughing because, you know, you take a look at the, the, the stuff I was making at the time and you just think, well, I mean, it was proper draw for the bin kind of work, um, which is, you know, how I encourage people to access the creative process in the first place. Don't fear it, just embrace it and make it like you're going to throw it away at the end and see what happens. Because you've you been interviewed, though, by uh, newspapers and television, right, because of this? Yeah. Um, funny enough, I did a small pop-up event just locally the other week, and two or three people came by and said, hey, I've seen you on the TV. And that TV feature was, was brief and a few years back now. So it's kind of funny how these things stick in people's mind. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's a good way to start a conversation. Um, I mean... It, it, like I say, it's connected me to different parts of the world. It's connected me to different people. It's even, it's even started, it began the process, if you like, of people kind of really inquiring about commissioning work from me, which, you know, I never had any intention that that would be something that would happen. But I made a particular design, which I hid, um, placed on a war memorial, uh, maybe a couple of miles from where I live, and it's called Autumn Fire. And it was a simple kind of geometric design with some gold leaf shot through it. And folk went nuts for it. Um, and so it got found very quickly, but then I had several inquiries. Could you make me one? Could you make me one? And I've continued, I don't, it's not a main part of my artistic output currently, but as a, as a kind of, design icon if you like it's something that i've played around with and experimented with and adapted and i i put it down i pick it up from time to time like i say it's not something i'm particularly active with currently but but that all came about from just making something and hiding something so an experiment that, that mm -hmm. turned into you know versions of that piece of art are in several locations in the states several locations in the uk in new zealand I think in Spain as well. So, you know, I mean, and that's just weird. That all from one <laughs> tiny little gift to the community that's come about. So, Doug, um, this transition, this, uh, this, this grand experiment that you've had, what are some of the key things, what key takeaways of what you've learned through this process? What, what, is, what have you translated from these experiments from your personal and in your career moving forward? Okay, um, forgive me, I'm just writing a couple of things down. I think the, the project has facilitated, or has, has, I've always been a fairly curious individual, I think. I, I, I don't mean weird, although some people might think I am, that's fine, but I mean <laughs> curious as in, oh, what's under there, or how does this work, How's that? how does that happen? And I think that the art process has made me even more curious. Um, and so I, you know, I, I look at something and I'm curious and keen to see how it's done and how it's made. I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, uh, just over 12 months ago, I began a very simple process of stencil cutting and spraying paint onto old vinyl records. Um, 
and and I was I was I was pleased with the results, although they were quite basic, and I enjoyed working with the different materials. And I found myself developing that part of my practice into a thing I now call vinyl junkie, where I you know I get commissioned and I choose to design all kinds of different um, designs that I spray onto vinyl and I cut these stencils, and some of them take me hours to cut. But that's a process of curiosity, experimenting with different kind of materials, processes. Patience is really important in there. Because you know, when you're cutting a detailed stencil, one false move and you've blown it. You know, uh, you, so you have, to be, you have to be really careful. And it's kind of weird, you know, you get nearer to the end and the temptation is, oh, I can see the, you know, I've nearly finished this thing. I just want it, I just want it to be done. And that's the time when actually you really need to go gently. Wow. So, so it's taught me patience, I think. It's taught me curiosity. Um, it's taught me the importance of kind of stop thinking and start doing. So I'm not always very good at this, but I can, I can lose myself in thought. Um, but actually, you know, if I'm going to get a piece of art out the door this week, then I need to stop thinking about it and start making it. Um, you know, I, think, I, I love that thought because I, I kind of came to that realization a few years ago that, um, and a friend of mine had at one point had said, "Being smart is not a job description." Uh, and yeah, we all, and I think especially those of us that have been um, in the blog world, in the Twitter sphere, all of the places where you know, quote unquote, thought leadership reigns, it's real easy to sound really, really smart. But at the end of the day, nothing happens until somebody does something. And just writing a blog post isn't getting anything done. You've got to go and do that action. And actually, I had that exact conversation with um, with my boss at one point when she was asking about, well, can you, what do you think can, with, about this? I said, it's not so much what I think about it as can I do it? And here are the three things I'm going to start doing tomorrow to make that happen. And it yeah. led to that whole conversation of, Nothing happens until somebody actually does something. So that's really interesting to hear you, because I could almost see what the creatives, like yours, I love the words you use, uh, putting it into a production environment almost, is having the ability to have a deadline has to change the process because it's really easy to be creative and sit there and just say, I see blue and not get anything done that day because you're quote unquote being creative. Yeah, for sure. I agree, and I think, it, and it, it is, it is really, uh, it, it is interesting. It's interesting to me, and so I, I, I'm pleased that it, it kind of resonates with you. But it, but it, but it's, uh, it is a, re, it's a vitally important part of the, part of the process. And so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have. Well, I mean, I would have it just as part of incidentally blundering about and doing stuff. But, but, but as part of the kind of artistic process, yeah, it's become, it's become really important. Um, and I, you know, I ebb and flow, and I've, I've got, it's, it's interesting, one of the things I've been thinking about today, you know, I've got, um, I've got an opportunity to take part in a group show in Dusseldorf soon, um, and I need to get on, you know, I've, I've, I've been conceptualizing some ideas, and I'm gonna be playing with, um, uh, actually using the, the opportunity to play is to use banknotes as the, as the kind of canvas if you like so so they're going to be works in miniature but um, you know I need to stop thinking about that and start start doing for sure because that that's coming up fairly shortly I've got two weekends of open studios happening in June and I have some work ready but I there's so much more I want to do and things and, and, and so yeah it, 
for sure. It's it's a, it, I need to think about these things. I need to conceptualise them. But yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling now that actually I need there's more and much more doing that I need to be getting on with and, and much less talking about it. I suppose. <laughs> Doug, um, just uh, I, I must confess, I'm coming this interview here with you uh, after taking this uh, personality test in their HR department. So my boss is uh, she's a VP. And um, they got us to take this thing called a Herman profile, and it's it's, it's in quadrants of uh, creative, visionary, um, people, uh, process, and basically data. And uh, mine came back overwhelmingly in the quadrant of creativity, and just blew out the chart on, on our team. <laughs> so uh, I'm a creative in this. Uh, so we have about uh, six or seven people in HR team. And uh, some of them were, um, a lot of them were data and process orientation and stuff like that. And it also predicted under stress. So um, my question for you is, I'm a creative uh, in this uh, very process-driven industry. And um, sometimes I struggle because I, I honestly, it's not my preference to dig into that. We're age of data, uh, analytics, all this stuff going on. I'm just curious, as a creative yourself and working with a lot of these industries and stuff, what's your perspective of a creative thought and how do you navigate in a data-driven world? Um, that's a struggle that I have and I think you have a good perspective on that. Yeah, um, well, I think, I know that, I mean, there are threads and pieces of information which I know are kind of necessary for my own development and progress. Um, so, you know, it helps me to keep track of, I mean, this is going to be basic obvious stuff, but, but, you know, the data that informs my decision-making are things like my diary. So, you know, I know what's coming up. So, I, you know, I'm just chatting about those art things and thinking actually, yeah, they, I need to, I need to plan in, I can't just rock up at those events. I need to make the stuff, so I need to start thinking about, and that creates, you know, plans and, and need the need to kind of um, plot things out. I suppose, um, you know, I keep track of what's going on post, you know, in 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 the sort of production cycle, if you like. So I, I gather my own and plot my own data in terms of are things selling, you know, what what's working, kind of what isn't. Um, so. I, and when I'm working with clients, I'm very mindful that, that they will be keen to gather output from a number of different sources, if you like. So I, I think the tendency is that we think of data and then we immediately kind of our brains dump into sort of spreadsheet mode and all that kind of stuff. And I get all that. But I, and I think that data can come from a wide variety of, of perspectives. So if I give you a very quick example, um, I spent some time last year working with a uh, successful furniture design company who were going through some change. One of the things they were trying to get a better handle on was kind of, you know, what, what the culture and values mean for this organization. Now those things kind of sound quite, I don't mean, I'm gonna use the term soft, actually they're the hardest bits often to, to figure out, but they're important things to, to kind of guide and inform the business. And one of the pieces of data that the organization and I worked to develop was, was, a, was a kind of visual map of what this stuff looks like. And when we started was through some dialogue with all of the people who worked in the organization, kind of family run type firm, about 150 people or so. 
And um, we had some really interesting conversations. And then we drew those conversations out into an artistic exploration of, of what does it feel like to work for this company? You know, what works, what brings you joy, what do you hate, and all that kind of thing. And we ended up with a huge wall of data um, which showed us, you know, that visual output I mean it came around over three days nearly everyone in the organization participated so they they ended up with comp data from the conversations they end up with other data from surveys and other things that they're doing and sometimes I help people build those kind of things but it's not really my area of expertise I used to do more of it um, but I think that the stories that you pick up through these exchanges and then the visual output that you pick up that's all for me that's all part of uh, a data-driven world I suppose it's just maybe a bit harder to analyze but it doesn't make it any less uh, important so i think i'm i have an appreciation of it i'm not i'm not a you know i, I know i'm i hear the words pivot table and i think i don't know what that means <laughs> um, <laughs> but 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 i think i think that you know data is inf information and you can you can turn anything um into a useful source if you have the ability to kind of see it and interpret it in various ways right i think you bring up a good point about how we as creatives can interpret that and put those into context through that visual thinking and that's that's the whole thing of beer napkins is that whole visual thinking pulling out that um graphical or visual part of that that hidden data that sometimes is you can't really interpret on those spreadsheets and um no um i mean and if you think about the guy i think his name's david mccandless um, he's done lots of work of visualizing data. I think he published a book called Data is Beautiful, and there are all kinds of wonderful charts and flows that, that illustrate big pieces of, or pieces of big data in, in really fascinating ways. I mean, I've even done kind of simple things. I remember once we were do, I was doing a chart, I was working with a company helping them with some internal communication stuff, and they were keen to try and get a view on what methods were working and what methods weren't. And I did a whole load of um, quantitative analysis around around this, and I looked at the numbers, and I just thought this is really boring. You know, are, uh, this is just it's just numbers. So in the end, what I did was I presented a chart at this board meeting that I'd drawn, and um, I arranged the data in sort of happy and sad faces according to whether the channels were things that people liked or didn't like, and the kind of bigger and happier the face, the more they liked it, and the the grimmer it looked, the less they liked it, and all this kind of thing. And when I first stuck it up on the wall, they all looked at me and thought, what? But as I began to talk through it all, they were like, oh, I see. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, they get, they don't have to plough through another load of numbers. They're just looking at, wow, okay, so that big happy face there, what that connects to? That connects to the fortnightly town hall briefing that the chief exec does. People really like those. This thing over here, what does that connect to? Oh, some crappy newsletter that we probably shouldn't even be putting out right now, you know, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I mean, I've got lots of you know, lots of other examples. I quite like turning data into a into a visual uh, image because, again, it's it kind of sticks in some people's minds more easily. Well, we, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we think whether we like it or not. I mean, the, the visual. Uh, there's people that enjoy manipulating data, but at the other end of the thing is interpreting the data into a visual. I think allows it to stick in our brains. Right, a picture's worth a thousand words or a thousand data points. Yeah. Um, I always come back to, I still think one of the most underused and I think valuable tools that are out there, especially when it comes to uh, sentiment analysis and things like that that we have to worry about in today's world is that it is something as simple as a Wordle, right? The minute you see a Wordle where they've taken 
all of your blog posts and loaded them in and the, the word you know the word that shows up the most often is biggest and the word that shows up the least often is small boy that really brings home what it is that's that that's in, included in all of that without even having to read it you can say okay this person is always talking about art and engagement and human resources or whatever it is so and you couldn't you couldn't even fathom that without that look that picture that wordle that so i'm always fascinated when i see wordles i think you know that is almost like a very pure way of showing uh, mm -hmm. data that isn't just numbers right yeah. uh, i mean you could do a spreadsheet that says this word shows up 28 times or three times more often than this one it just doesn't have the same impact as just seeing that image so you know fill your question about you know what if, what if i'm creative and, and i've got to deal with data I always look at data as as fuel and i think this is where you know doug was saying is fuel for how can i use that and how can i be creative using that so mm -hmm. it's it's something that actually data should be something a creative person desires because that gives them the the the, the fuel like i said for the the image so sure. I, I would probably skew in that direction as well but I look at it is I'm always looking at how do I take this data and use it? I use it like from a marketing and sales perspective because now I have to take numbers that are boring and simple and make it into a story that is um, you know pretty and remember rememberable memorable. Yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're going. Well, it's cool, I and mean, you know you're making me think about things like so. I mean, a channel which I use with, with some success. Um, I have a I have a presence on Facebook in uh, as my own self, but I have a page on there called Consulting Artist. Yep. And um, you know, I I don't spend hours, but I look at the data behind that page because I want to know what's what's going on. Um, and and I am you know I can certain things so so I can be informed to some to some extent. So again, I, I'm not a geek about it. I don't spend so I don't spend hours, but I can respond to the question. You know, so if, so if I was in a situation where I might be pitching for some kind of consulting work, and they're like, "Well, you're an artist. What the hell do you know about numbers or whatever?" Then right. for sure, I can I can refer them to the sources that I use and I'm interested in. And I think in so doing, what I can do then is I can then convey a genuine sense of appreciation of that stuff even though it might not necessarily be the thing that kind of is my primary motivator. So I, th I think that, um, yeah, I, f I find it helpful. I mean, I, I would, I know I'm, I function better when I'm, I have an idea of the, the, the data that's kind of surrounding me because there are times when I drift and I kind of forget to pay attention to it. And then I think, why is nothing working anymore? Why is nothing kind of happening or going right? And, and, it, and it's usually, not always, but it's usually because I've stopped paying attention to the kind of things that I need to be building from and jumping off and, and understanding and responding to. Um, thank you, that's a, that's a great, great perspective of how you use data and, and, and work to navigate it as a creative. So in the future of work, um, what are you seeing out there Doug, in terms of uh, employment, careers, um, uh, people navigating, you know, we've got this crazy world, this agile world, chaotic world. What, what are you seeing from your perspective of talking to people and companies? And what should we be learning? What, how should we be approaching from your perspective? Uh, well, so a th a th a something that keeps 
occurring around me and, and doubtless around you guys and lots of other people as well. I, I wrote down, when we, when we talked about mess early on, right back at the beginning, I wrote a word down next to it and that word is uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and for sure, there's an awful lot of that around the place. I mean, the, the, the political environment in this country is really stuck at the moment because we've, you know, we've had this kind of binary referendum about should we depart the European Union as a political body or should we stay? And by a small margin, this country opted to, to go. And now we're realizing just how damn hard it is to go and we don't really understand what that means and blah, 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 blah. So we're, we're in a kind of, we're in this sort of deadlock. You know, the deadline's been and gone. Another, uh, and, 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 and. So I think there's, there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, and I think one of the things for me that, that affords opportunity for the creative mindset is that actually we're dealing with uncertainty all of the time. Um, so very often, you know, the work, the work I'm making and, and other people are making, we're kind of unsure how it's going to turn out. So, so, so one of the things that's important about the kind of the start something that I talked about earlier on is, you know, we get, we go to a gallery, okay, and we admire a piece of work, or we're in the hall, we're in the reception of a big company, and we admire that fantastic piece of art. We don't know about all the pain and the mistakes and everything that went on behind it to get there. So one of the one of the sort of threads of data that you could track for me if you wanted to is you could go right back and find that postcard that I made for Jay. It's online, you know, so there's you can see the process evolving and shaping and changing. And I think one of the things that help, that where creative people can help other people in organizations is to help them realize that these things are about flow and shift and repeated practice and being willing to take a punt that actually, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'll tell you what I can, the only thing I can tell you with certainty is if I don't give it a try, I'll never know. Mm -hmm. So I think, and that doesn't really, that, that I'm, I'm skirting around your question to some extent because I don't think that's necessarily sector or job specific but i think as a kind of just as a way of approaching the world of work i think there are increasingly legitimate pathways for the creative practice to inform uh, an increasingly broad range of, of operational roles and potentially manufacturing roles and what have you i don't, I don't know but certainly you know I, I feel very strongly that there there are lots of elements of creative practice that can help inform role jobs that you wouldn't necessarily think are particularly creative but which actually do require high degrees of improvisation high degrees of adaptability and a willingness to work with uncertainty and i think art is is a powerful tool in that context you know i i never thought of it from that perspective before but what you're saying has huge ramifications because what, what you find in business i think you probably all found it at least i have too is that as you go up the ladder, the, you know, people are now making bigger and bigger decisions and they're making those decisions as if they knew, A, what the future holds and B, that they have some control over it. And the reality is we have zero control over anything. It's pretty much an illusion. Um, and how we make decisions is always as if we didn't have um, that there was no variability in the answer. In other words, that I'm certain of this. Uh, and it, it just now came to me as I was listening to you, there's a book out there now. Uh, do you know who Patty, uh, not Patty Duke, I was gonna say, but um, uh, what's her name? I'm gonna mess up her name now. Um, Annie Duke, the professional um, poker player. Have you ever heard of her? 
she she's a she's a poker player. She she uh, when uh, Texas Hold'em was really hot here in the states, there was a whole you know they had a channel where you could watch Texas Hold'em all day long and it <laughs> ebb and flowed. But anyway, she's one of the top, <laughs> she's one of the top uh, poker players in Vegas. Has won you know World Series of Poker a few times. She wrote a book called Thinking in Bets. And her whole premise is that we make decisions as if it was binary, as if there was a yes or no answer. And the reality is in our world, nothing is binary. Everything is a probability. And the minute you start playing poker as if there's certainty, you start to lose. And her whole point is you have to make every decision that you make in life based on is what's the probability that I'm right or the probability this is a good decision as opposed to is this a good decision or am I right, which is binary. It's really freeing when you start thinking about decisions you make at work and in life that the minute that you start thinking about it in a term of a probability or a bet, would I bet? Because that changes the way your brain thinks. Now you're thinking, what's the probability of winning? Because I'm betting. Um, it really changes a lot of your answers. Uh, it frees you up to make decisions you probably wouldn't have made because all of a sudden now, instead of focusing on the 20% that you thought wouldn't happen, you're looking at, yeah, it's got an 80% chance to invest. I'll invest in that versus yeah. I could fail because there's a little bit of that that's a failure. And because of that, I think binary. So I really love the idea of this creativity because it is uncertain. You don't even know what you're going to do half the time and let alone how it's going to be received, right? So this idea of living with that uncertainty has huge implications for work and for business. So from your perspective, teaching people, like you say, I, I always like that about your, your presentation, you know, draw for the bin, Ex, you know, expect to throw this away. And it changes how free you are to make a better des decision, design, whatever, because you know it just doesn't matter. And mm. most of the stuff we deal with really doesn't matter, right? <laughs> well, for sure. I mean, there's some really interesting things in there. So, I mean, you, you I, I, um, I don't have it on today, but I have a T-shirt somewhere in my wardrobe that's got that says "Control is an illusion" on it, and it was the, it was the title of a kind of speaking tour. That sounds a bit grand, but one that I did that involved several trips to the states and other places. So I, I agree with that thought that you know we 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 crave certainty way beyond the existence of it, and and I think what what that craving does is we become hamstrung. You know, we become we become like um, tied to the rock, if you like, and we're we're unable to adapt. I think one of the things that's really fascinating about decision-making process and, and, and your point about that kind of idea that it's either right or wrong, yes, no, I think the, 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 the idea about being able to kind of look at it as probabilities, I think also gives us more room to think, you know, maybe I should change my mind. So I think one of the things that's a real problem in the world of work is that someone makes a decision and actually at the point of making that decision, you're kind of, you're, you're, a, you're quite dangerous at that point because you've closed your mind to all other possibilities. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And in the case of a, a, someone like a kind of, you know, an executive who's on, who's on the show, as it were, you know, they've tied their colours to the mast and, and there it is. And, and so, and, and that's a shame because very often, like you say, the, the, the market and the other things around us are changing. And we feel well. We got to kind of carry on with the plan because Doug said so at that at that big meeting. You know, we've just gonna we got to keep going, and and it gets wronger and wronger and worse and worse, and and it, and, and it just gets further away. You're right because everything else is changing except your plan. And yeah. how can that be smart? If everything so, uh, else is changing but your plan, you've got to be wrong. 
So I got I, I, I got a, a few little things of what you said, Doug. Flows, shifts, and repeatable processes. So we have to be aware of the flows and the shifts, but we still have to have some element of repeatability in our work. So keeping keeping a level of, of openness, non-binary, looking at probabilities, like Paul said. So I'm kind of seeing a, a counterbalance between structure and openness that has to be balanced. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think you're hearing that, and I do think that, and I think it's really important. So I, I'm, I made a point uh, uh, earlier on where when I'm when I forget to pay attention to the data, if you like, then I can, I can get lost. And what that what that data does is it gives me structure, some mm -hmm. structure. I think the danger is is not to be not to end up believing that you need that structure so much that that it kind of controls every, everything you operate around and in. I mean, I'll give you a, a, a quick example. In a recent piece of work I was involved in, um, it was, <laughs> the work I, I enjoy most is work that's kind of genuinely co-created. So we, we're invited to come together to conduct an inquiry about something and we really don't know what, what the answers are gonna be and we're cool with you know, how we might even make that inquiry. Sometimes I get asked to follow quite specific you know, steps and processes. And again, up to a point, that's okay, but I'm, you're unlikely to get your best out of me in those kind of environments. But I, I did do a piece of work recently, which, which, which went to the extent of actually giving me a script as to how I was supposed to introduce myself. You know, I am Doug and I have been brought in here because I am used to having complex conversations with people about, and, and I just politely had to say, look, I get all this and I'll make sure that your folks know why I'm here and what my role is in this discussion. But I am not gonna stand there and read this because you're, gonna, you're insulting my intelligence, you're insulting the intelligence of your colleagues, and come on, you know, that, that's not needed. So, I, and, and sure enough, it wasn't needed and it, and it didn't happen, but, it, but, it, but it's interesting that, that, that it only came about because probably what happens is every time that group of people work with somebody that's not familiar with them, they think that they need to kind of give them some sort of prescribed way of doing something. Uh, and I don't think they're that unusual in that, in that respect. So again, I, th I think there is a really, that, that's another aspect of where the creative process, if you like, and creative people who are comfortable with that process will recognize the need for that flow and shift. And at the same time, yes, there are repeatable elements of this. So, you know, we can, we can, we can, we can give people something to, to, you know, cling on to without feeling too, like they're just drifting around in space. Because wow. that's not a comfortable feeling, is it? Yeah, that, that, that's great. Well, let's move on to some fun things. Paul, you got any good questions for Doug? It's fun. You know, I, I, no, I, I mean, not really. I mean, I know Doug well enough to know that, uh, you know, we always have a good time together when we hit the hit the pubs or hit the hit the bar here. Um, I, I still feel like Phil that you ought to become the Doug Shaw of the United States and start some of your artwork. Well, my goal in life is to go to your artwork. I wish I wish I had the skill you had. Well, I, my goal is to go over and meet Doug in London have some beers and get drunk and do some art and drop it around town. That's what I, that would, I would be, my dream vacation to head over there. So you gotta make that <laughs> <laughs> work, right? 
I would love that. And 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 actually, that kind of thing has come to pass. So, just last summer, um, the Open Studios event that I'm involved in gave me some time and space to bring people from the community together. Wow. So we, we had a workshop under the theme of Heatwave because it was really hot here last summer, and we made a big bunch of artistic um, works. And then the following weekend, it was the second weekend of the Open Studios Trail. So Carol, my lovely wife and I, we walked up the hill to where the trail starts. And then we slowly made our way right down to the other end of the trail, hiding packets of art. So I think we hid, I think there were 36 pieces. And I think we put three pieces in each packet and a little kind of tag. And we just we just hid them all the way down the through the neighborhood oh, and through the town and that kind of thing. And that was a real, I was, I felt really, um, oh, I don't know what the right word is really. I was but pr proud, humbled, I don't know, but it was great to be hiding the art made by the community in the community for the community to find. Wow. Again, one of those things that I thought, you know, if I hadn't started this crazy idea, then that wouldn't have happened. So I'm always up for um, <laughs> hiding art and getting drunk with people. <laughs> as long as we don't hide ourselves in the bushes, right? Uh, yeah, no, that might, that might get us arrested. <laughs> so you said it was a heat wave because it was hot. What was it, about, what, 25 or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't know what hot is here. Right, um, right. We're supposed to be, uh, let's see, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be, what, 95 today, yeah, which is 35, 35 today, Celsius. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I think we were <laughs> knocking on the door of 30 last summer. But here today, now, I mean, it's a nice, warm, fine day. The sun's gone in a bit, and we'd, we'd be lucky to hit 20 Celsius, you know. And I'm thinking, I'm in my shorts and T-shirt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let when you hit yeah I'd love to make that work too it'd be, it'd be a good it'd be a good fun thing to do um, I mean I have a I run a weekly session in our local pub uh, where we make we convene and we make art together and um, we're actually putting a show on on the sixth of June so this is a group of people who come together from the local community with an interest in creative expression. It's a highly experimental class. We kind of try something different pretty much every week that I just kind of make up during the week and then I write to them all and say, hey, should we give this a go? And the option is, you know, you can try something else or what have you, but we've done stenciling, spray painting, tile painting, um, various kind of uh, brushless abstract work. So we've used things like credit cards to apply the paint and we've done printing all sorts of things we're doing um i found some old slate roof tiles recently and one of the guys who comes to the class has a tile cutter so he's going to bring the tile cutter and we're going to make custom shaped pieces of slate as the kind of template uh, and the canvas if you like and then folks are going to apply their art onto the onto these now they're probably i'm probably older than 100 years these things so they'd be you know we're always trying something different there um, and that's another community thing that it, that that would not be happening if I wasn't doing the free art project. So I think yeah, that that's all that comes back to that curiosity. You know, you asked me the kind of what's it all about? It's about being curious. It's about starting something, and actually, it's about keeping going too. That's the other thing. I think um, when I'm working in a, if I'm doing consulting work, and you talk about the idea of trying something different, very often what happens is someone will try it. It didn't work, and they don't want to ever do it again. You know, can you imagine where would my artistic practice be if every every time I goofed it up, 
I didn't try it again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I'm fortunate that I've chosen to keep a, a digital record of this stuff. So I can I could sit there and go back through it with a client and say, this is what trying again looks like. Right. You know, and actually you might be standing here looking at this piece of work and, and, and admiring it, appreciating it, whatever. But again, what 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 you don't know is that I've been through when did I start this stuff? Probably around about 2011 at its very early stages. So, you know, there's, there's, um, I'm not really good at maths, nine minus, 19 minus 11. What's that? Eight? Yeah. Anyway, a number of years of practice and getting that, it wrong. Eight years in Celsius. So. Yeah. Eight years in Celsius. Yeah, indeed. So, you know, it's, 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 um, it's interesting for me. I'm, I'm biased because I'm interested in it. But the more I explore this stuff, the more I realise that actually the world of work has a lot to learn from the world of creative practice, and, and huge chunks of it are are growing, are increasingly uh, relevant rather than diminishing. Absolutely, I know Paul and I really um, are inspired by your journey, and it just it, it really resonates over on this side of town. So it just, I mean, thank you for being vulnerable, sharing your art, being experimental, and especially in the HR business community and in sharing the creativity too, I, I feel your struggles. I, I, we, we appreciate your leadership and, and I'm, 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 I know I'm confident that you will really lead, lead your community into some new thoughts and processes as we go into this level of uncertainty. I think more and more what you're advocating is needed in every aspect of life. I, I, I firmly believe that. That's a lovely thing to say, and I appreciate it. And and yeah, you know, I, I just I don't I don't want to leave things unsaid. You know, I've, I'm I'm not I'm I'm I don't I think it is important to be able to talk about how you're feeling and I you know I, I have good days bad days like everyone else but I do I do think it's important to be able to articulate that kind of thing and and actually at times the art's really useful for that because it allows me to convey a sense of feeling you know without kind of walking down the road bursting into floods of tears for everybody I meet which kind of might freak some folk out so it's best not to do it all the time <laughs> I think the world would be a better place if we were able to just be a bit more comfortable with with um with a little more openness, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of all of this kind of bring your whole self to work nonsense because there's bits of my whole self that you do not want to know about, you know, um, and 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 the same goes for just pretty much anybody. But I do think it's important to to be able to take responsibility for your kind of actions and thoughts and own them and articulate them to people in a way that I think shows sincerity and strength rather than you know um rather than weakness and we've got a lot of work to do in that sort of space i think i'm i'm disappointed you know i think the political climate is very insensitive to that kind of thing and it's a shame because you know i know i respond to people who are just willing to be a little bit more honest and a bit more um kind of straightforward about those sort of things and how they're really thinking and feeling so i'm that's a really kind thing for you to say. I hugely appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, Doug, and thank you for being on our show here. Really appreciate that. Always, you're always welcome, and I think we need to have a follow up later this year and see how everything's going. Well, it's been a long time since I've been to the states. I'd like to be there in real life before too long. So let's um, let's try and cook up a reason for that to happen too. That would be great, wouldn't it? That's- now, did you just did you just uh, have dinner, lunch, whatever, with, with Steve Brown? Did you meet up with him? 
So I saw him briefly last week. Yeah. And actually, I gave him a piece of art. Um, so I gave him one of the vinyls. I don't know if I have a version of it here. Hold on a second. I mean, it, there's nobody more perfect for that than Steve Brown, the godfather of uh, eking out over music and HR. Yeah, well, here we go. So I gave him one of these. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, he was talking about listening uh, to the Clash this morning. I think on. Yeah. So I, the, I gave him. I, this was a you recent. Again, Doug? Huh? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. Yeah. Does it come out again? Post it. There you go. I love it. So yeah, that that it was cool to meet him and hand him over. So he he has in his possession now the very first sort of test of that um, test pressing of that. And I just thought, what a that yeah, you say he's into the band. He's over in London. It kind of it kind of had to be done. Um, That's good. I, I think he had a really great trip. I had yeah. other. I mean, I, I went into town because I, I didn't want to miss him. But I had other stuff to do, so I actually wasn't there for that long. But it was great to uh, great to see him again. He's yeah. always been a big supporter of my work. You know. Um, I think I've done Ohio Sherm three times. Um, he wasn't at the last one, but for sure he's been, you know, influential in my presence there, and I'm grateful to him for that. Well, you got quite a bit of artwork over here too from that Ohio contingent. You got Tammy and her, and Frank got quite a bit. Phil knows I, I introduced uh, Tammy and Frank to Phil when he was up spending a lot of time in Cleveland, so he's had dinner and gone out with those guys. Um, and uh, you've got they own my favorite work of yours, which is the poppy stuff. I, I, I still would love oh, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I, I think at some point I'll have to commission one of those, something different, but the poppies, I love your work there. I, I'm definitely, if I come over, I'm going to trade you some artwork. I'm going to. Okay. Gonna, uh, well, I'll I've got plenty here. <laughs> well, it's my retirement plan. So keep going. I mean, I've got a few Doug Shaw's sitting here, so. I'm yeah. hoping that that's my retirement plan, so get famous. Well, they might feature it in some way. I mean, it is kind of weird. Um, <laughs> you know, I, well, I think the, the very first piece that um, someone bought from me uh, was a little sketch of a kingfisher. Yeah, um, nice one. I like that. Yeah, and 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 I kind of look at that now. And I think, wow, that was a that was a big step for me. That 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 you know, someone actually kind of investing. And of course, you know, until he. If until and if he tries to sell it, who knows? But but certainly, if he was to if he wanted to ask me to make it for him again, he'd have to pay a hell of a lot more for it now. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get in early. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Doug. This has been awesome. I think. Well, so let's uh, let's make sure that everybody knows how to get a hold of you <laughs> online. So you're hit us with your your digital footprint. Let us know what is that. Okay, so my website is uh, consultingartist.com. Um, I say the Facebook page is also Consulting Artist. And then I'm on Twitter at Doug Shaw one D-O-U-G-S-H-A-W, and then the number one. And I use Instagram as a way of sharing some of my art stuff as well, and that's just at Doug Shaw. Um, but if you Google you know, weird guy from England with a funny boy, a funny accent who paints, then you'll probably find me somewhere. That, that, that's, that's, um, yeah, don't that. do not do the Twitter without the one because I made that mistake last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he don't like me much. Um, 
I don't know why. It's kind of weird, but he, yeah, he can get a bit snippy. But hey, I, I, he used to get bothered a lot uh, to the extent that actually in his Twitter profile, it used to say, "I'm not Doug Shaw, the HR bloke." <laughs> he doesn't say that now, but uh, anyway, um, I, I, yeah, it's definitely a number one on the end. But that's 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 the that's the best places to find me. Thanks. Well, well, we'll have to. I, I know I've got to make a, a plan to somehow get over to London. See you then. Yeah. Let us keep us in the loop on anything you might have coming over this way too. Yeah, no. I, if I do, if I'm able to come over, I definitely will let you know for sure. We should plan a trip together. Yeah, well, you know, a road trip or something. Anyway, well, let, let's see. But I'm, I'm mindful. I've not been there for a while, and it would be good to come up with some productive excuses to kind of get back over and see you folks because I, I miss a lot of folk, and I've got a lot of good, lovely, good, supportive friends in the states. It'd be nice to get back and see, see everyone. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. So, My pleasure. Uh, leaving, leaving one thing. Stay messy, Doug. You bet. Okay, I will. All right, guys. I'll, um, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. I never pop the can, but I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. When Go ahead and pop it. Go ahead and pop it. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> ah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there you go. You wanted messy. It's gone everywhere. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, I'm going to dial off and go and clear up this mess. But uh, it's really good talking to you guys. And see right. you Thanks so much for your time today. If you'd like to be a part of the podcast, check our website at beerandnapkins.com, all one word, for our schedule. We always record live in a pub and love to have you in the audience. Until our next podcast, here's to new ideas, new friends, and the pubs that enable greatness. Thank you so much for listening.